All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. They're coming to get you, Barbara. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Here's Johnny. Vanity. Definitely my favorite city. I am devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. The power of Christ compels you! This is my boomstick! What's your favorite scary movie? What up, horror heads, and welcome to Shiver, a horror movie podcast. As you can see, if you're watching us live, I am flying solo tonight. Dave is literally flying as we record. He's on his way to Boston. But I am joined by a new friend of the show and filmmaker, Nakia Day. Nakia, how are you? Hey, how y'all doing? I'm good. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so happy to hear. Uh, I'm so happy to hear you're doing well. This is this has been a pretty cool thing because you just kind of found us and reached out to us to to maybe mm-hmm. do an interview. And uh, I was yes. really excited. You wanted to do uh, an episode with us. So, uh, how did do you? How did you come about the show? Uh, I came about the show because I'm actually into horror like quite a lot, specifically slashers. And I saw it was a lot of horror podcasts out there, and I thought it was really cool. So I just wanted to message y'all and discuss horror. <laughs> well, I am very glad you did, and I'm excited to have you on. And uh, you picked out the movie that we're going to be doing, but we'll get to that in a little bit. <laughs> But you started, you reached us all, you reached out to us starting off because you wanted to talk about a film that you're currently making, uh, Chosen by Random, right? Yes, still Chosen by Random. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so uh, tell us a little bit about your movie. What what, what type of movie are you making? Oh, uh, well. We're making a slasher because, like I mentioned before, slashers, like I grew up on them. I was like 12 and 13, just binge watched, even though I shouldn't have. So please don't panic. I'm not or anything but i just really invested into the stories of horror like it was all about just like coincidence really like i the first horror movie i remember watching when i was younger was halloween and i really invested in like the characters and their stories and what was really happening so it wasn't really like the scary part it was more of like i want to see if this protagonist is gonna survive or i want to see who the heck this guy is or why this is even happening and i just went down this whole rabbit hole of slashers and that's how we got here. <laughs> there, like, there, there are a lot worse ways to start off your slasher journey than with Halloween. You know, I mean, if you if you if you start with John <laughs> Carpenter, you've you've started somewhere good, right? Like, that's it's a great place to get going. So, uh, your your right, movie exactly. Uh, so your movie kind of uh, tell us a little bit about it. Like, I mean, you know, obviously, don't give away anything too much. But uh, what's your movie about? Uh, Our movie is basically following our main protagonist, Carmen. She's working at a record store right now, and she's closing up for the night, and her friend comes along named Zion. They both had experiences with the slasher named Random. That's our slasher named Random. And they both had experiences with him. They survived him from before, and they thought, like, the turmoil and the trauma and dealing with him, they thought it was all done. And he was like, no, no, no. Like, I'm not going anywhere. (laughs) And he's coming back for them. And basically, this short film is about them trying to survive the night and survive their shift going against random. So from watching watching the trailer that you guys released on Instagram and some of your stills and stuff like that, it looks like you've gone very 
uh, Friday the 13th too, with like the mask, mm-hmm. like you, with, you've got like the bag style mask. Uh, what else kind of influenced how you does, how you designed for this movie? Who? Um, so basically the movie that we chose today, the town, Sundown, um, Halloween. And like you said, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I really pulled a piece of it from a lot of different slashers because originally this is technically a sequel. The first movie, the first short film that we did, it was called Faithful Witness in the Middle. And there's like a clear homage to like classic 70s and 80s slashers it was like at the cabin and in the middle of the woods and he still has sort of the same look except it was like a potato sack instead of just like a pillow um case okay. so we really pull i really pull all the inspiration from every single slasher that i've watched because i found a piece of something that i truly love from every single slasher that I've watched, no matter what anybody else said, I was like, no, I like this. Like I invested in this part and I really wanted to just really represent them. But this go around, I wanted to have random be more, a bit more original. Cause you could see kind of like the pieces from the first one, but this sequel, he has more of his own feel and vibe. So it was really just like, I give all the credit to all the slashers that I've ever watched as a child. <laughs> okay. So we, you know, you've mentioned Texas Chainsaw Massacre, starting off with Halloween. We talked about how the the mask is very reminiscent of Town the Treaded Sundown, uh, Friday the Thirteenth mm-hmm. too. Uh, so, mm-hmm. as you're looking at your slashers, and you're you're such a big fan, like I'm not going to ask you to like rank a top four, but I mean, just kind of who who are who are some of your favorites? I, I know you started with Michael Myers, but just some of your favorite slashers. Icon. Yeah, Michael Myers, the icon, is number one. Um, okay. Not moving it is no debate. Michael Myers is number one. And then Leatherface is number two. Number three is Jason. And number four is Scream. I really like Ghostface. Okay, I see. Like you were, you were, you were sticking real close to my top four there. I, I got nothing against Ghostface. I just uh, my 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 top four kind of slides slides right along those same lines. I maybe throw Freddy in there. It's you know it's kind of debatable as to how that stacks up slasher wise. But uh, but no, I can see that I have uh, I actually I haven't caught that new Scream yet. I do enjoy them, but I haven't watched the newest one yet. You gotta uh, watch so, it. It's, I yeah, really it's a, like it. <laughs> I miss I mean, Sydney, I, but I really like it. <laughs> I mean, I loved. I like. I was real hesitant on the new one, and and mm-hmm. uh, still am, just because when mm-hmm. it came back just a couple years ago, it that really felt mm-hmm. like the perfect swan song for just the franchise mm-hmm. in general. Like I was really happy mm-hmm. with kind of how that went, and I wasn't mm-hmm. sure if this one was just going to come across as a cash grab. So, mm-hmm. um, but. I've I've yet to read anything super negative about it, so I'm sure I'm going to get to it. Um, yes, like no spoiler, amazing. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, uh, when we get to the end, I'll give you a chance to tell everybody where they can uh, go to support and and watch your film. Okay. But we've talked for oh. a second a little bit about how mm-hmm. um, you drew some inspiration from this movie that you picked. And so mm-hmm. on tonight's episode, we are going to be doing The Town That Dreaded Sundown. Now, we are going to be doing the original 1976 version Mm -hmm. of this movie there was a sequel slash remake released in like 2014 um Mm -hmm. that this was my first experience with this movie so um it'll be Mm -hmm. fun to kind of get some get some seasoned knowledge about this one from you so we're gonna get started off and one of the most interesting things about this movie is 
especially for 1976, it's such a different take on the genre as a whole. Mm -hmm. This movie presents itself like as a documentary of these real mm -hmm. life events, even claiming, you know, oh, only the names have been changed to protect the innocent. <laughs> and so I went and looked, and this is loosely based on the Texarkana Moonlight Murders from 1946. Mm -hmm. So we mm -hmm. get part slasher, part true crime. Mm -hmm. I mean, just off the top, just kind of as an overview, like, to you, how does this work as as a, as a horror movie? I, does it scare you? Honestly, yes. Because as a, hopefully a very awesome director or director for the future, I, um, I like it because of its realism. It is so real from the kills to how they present him to how everybody's trying to catch him and everybody's like, no, like, the way that he goes about his kills like it's very i love the realism of it i love the documentary style because even though i feel like for like slashers as in like friday the 13th i feel like the pacing is different which i feel like is the reason why i went under the radar because it felt yeah. so real and at the time i feel like people really wanted to just enjoy it and wanted to see characters that they didn't like because they weren't smart get killed but this one it was like <laughs> no we want you to feel bad, you know, right. like, like, cause it, I, I do admit that the movie does have a bit of problematic things in there, here and there, but outside of that, it's like, it's like, it wants to really push forward that he's the bad guy. Like, we don't want you to be walking around saying, look at me, I'm the phantom. They want the opposite. And it's like, it makes you uncomfortable to even sit there and watch, especially since it is based off of something so real. It kind of puts you in the real world. And right. I actually like it because that's where true fear comes from to me. Yeah, I was, I, I was. I was interested in this because as I was reading it, I, I just, as I was reading just kind of the descriptions, I kept seeing documentary style, documentary style. So, so I was trying to figure out what does that mean? So it starts off. And like I said, it gives you the whole based on true events thing. And I was thrown off by the pacing initially mm -hmm. because it does it, it, but then the more I watched it, the more I was sucked into how this pacing is what set this mood of realism. Mm -hmm. you're watching a slasher movie, you're so used to just being on the edge of your seat, always wondering what the next cool thing that happens is going to be. Whenever mm -hmm. you're watching Friday the 13th, it's like, I look, I know he's not that far away. I can't wait to see what window Jason busts through and how he gets him this <laughs> and so, but Exactly. This one, the pacing ended up setting this mood that allowed you to be engrossed in how real it was. Mm -hmm. Like that set a different tone of terror that I wasn't mm -hmm. ready for. And it took me about half the movie, honestly, to really appreciate because mm -hmm. I kept finding myself uh, just like not really appreciating the downtime. And some things like that. But I do think that ultimately this movie does scare because they do so much to set up how realistic this mm -hmm. is. And this, yes, it's Texarkana, but this could be anywhere USA mm -hmm. in 1946. Mm -hmm. they, they go, you know, they, it sets this mood that makes you realize there is no suspension of disbelief here. Mm -hmm. which is it's so easy to separate yourself 
from a Jason or a Michael Myers movie mm-hmm. because they are presented as these superhuman entities yeah. that that they can just do anything and they can't be stopped. Exactly. One of the things that was so scary about this movie is the fact that this is obviously just a human man who mm-hmm. is outsmarting the people who are out to get him. He mm-hmm. doesn't have any sort of supernatural strength or speed, anything mm-hmm. that's going to keep him fr- keep him from getting caught. Mm-hmm. He's just out doing them. Exactly. That really at first I was I was kind of disappointed in that because I really when I first watched this I really thought that the documentary angle was just uh, I figured it was it was just a gimmick. And I didn't yeah. realize that they really were setting me up to tell me this, this story of something that kind of really happened. Mm-hmm. And so once I, once kind of all of that settled in with me, I did, I did start to appreciate how scary this movie really is. Uh, so I, I really enjoyed that. I think that this documentary style is something that it should I would like to see it explored more because it it mm-hmm. scratches a lot of itches, right? We, you mm-hmm. know, we, true true crime is on top of the world right now. Still, it is. has been forever. It is, and this is something that appeals to your true crime fans. There's enough mm-hmm. there's enough gore and violence and and suspense to appeal to horror mm-hmm. fans. And, and so, also, I, oh, I'm sorry. Oh no, you're good. Go ahead. <laughs> and also, I feel like it does that without technically kind of putting real people at the forefront because I feel like they can kind of be a bit harmful to constantly remind the people who went through it like of the same traumas. But as, like with the it went the route, like you said, it'll scratch a lot of itches without giving somebody else a rash. If it makes sense. <laughs> I know I get that. That makes sense. You know, and it's interesting that you mentioned that because while I was researching this movie today, I found out that there was mm-hmm. actually somebody who sued the creators of this movie over the presentation oh. of one of the characters. So in the movie, um, there is a character named uh, Emma Lou Cook. And Mm -hmm. in real life, she was based on a real life woman named Polly Ann Moore. And Mm -hmm. the brother of Polly Ann Moore Mm -hmm. actually sued the creators of this movie because in the movie, they say that Emma Lou Cook is a high school dropout with loose and low morals. Oh. And the real woman was like, she graduated high school at 16. And was like top of her class and was not any of these things. And Mm. so they, uh, and so they ended up losing the case, but it is an interesting idea to, to think about that fact of does creating something like this bear the potential to open those wounds and make Mm. it constantly seem fresh to these people who actually had to live this. What's also very interesting about that is Texarkana has finally come around and embraced this movie as part of their culture and does like midnight showings of it. And it's like, it's just a thing Mm -hmm. to do in Texarkana. It's like, hey, what do you do? Well, let's let's go catch Town the Dreaded Sundown. You know, they're showing it tonight. And like they sit around and they kind of celebrate it Mm -hmm. because it's one of the few things that has brought their town to light as something positive. And then don't quote me on this, but I believe in the reboot slash remake of this one. That's actually what they do in the movie. Like they host on one of the parts, they host a viewing 
of the old one. So it's kind of like combining like real life and fiction a bit because I saw okay. that and I was like, oh, like you know, I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> this, is, this is where we're going. That's why I was like reboot or like that's why I was kind of like, oh no, is it like a sequel? Like so- yeah, like, Wikipedia listed as a sequel, but I guess if I guess sequel doesn't really quite stack up if you're establishing a universe where this movie exists as a movie right like it gets very meta in in that in that scenario it's like how in um oh knock the mic sorry oh no you're good it's like how in um Wes craven's new nightmare the Mm -hmm. the the nightmare on elm street movies exist but then freddy still exists within that movie like you cross that that weird meta line that exists right there you're like i don't know what's real yeah, exactly. So speaking of what's real, mm-hmm. I mean, let's let's get into the story of Town mm-hmm. the Dreaded Sundown. I mean, it's a town that's held hostage by a masked man. You know, it's strikingly familiar. This is something mm-hmm. that that is familiar to both the horror genre and people who watch the news, right? Yeah, so, exactly. But it's, it's different from your basic slasher. So mm-hmm. the story that's presented here, do you think it stands well as a feature film? Like, do you think that they did a lot to, mm-hmm. to keep this movie, to make it, to make its runtime feel fulfilling? Like, did it hold your interest? Honestly, after rewatching it, which I, I feel like the rating is kind of unfair because after that I've seen, you know, like I've seen so many slashers by the time I decided to rewatch it. Right. It's like, I kind of have to put them up against the rest of them. I feel like old me would have said yes, but new me now, considering like watching so many different ones, I would say I don't think it will hold the interest of the audience today, but I still don't feel like that invalues it in like any way. I still feel like I appreciate it. it. It's basically the representation of what a cult film is. It honestly just has to be your taste. And I feel like it's a lot of people's taste out there, including mine, because of how much realism it has without it being like without it being like too like on the nose about being right. a documentary because it's like i was in it i was watching it i was into it and then the narrator would come and then i'd be like <laughs> okay okay i remember you know this is the style that we're yeah. going with but then they keep them away and then we'll watch it and then he'll go and this time i was like oh okay yeah it's like it kept reminding you that okay this is the style we're going for but it wasn't too overbearing and i feel like it was i feel like it can hold up but it just has to have that audience who really like you said wants that mixture of true crime and like fiction and things like that yeah i i kind of stand with you on that because like i said it took me maybe about the first third of the movie to kind of buy in because there is a lot of downtime in this movie Mm -hmm. and and it does almost feel like a a cop procedural at times Mm -hmm. you know you're 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 live in the car with them while they're just sitting around (laughs) seeing if he's gonna if he's gonna get (laughs) one of their guys and you're you're you spend a lot there was there was a scene in this movie where they're, they, the high school kids are at a prom, which, by the mm-hmm. way, went until one in the morning. I guess things were very different in the 40s. This is what I'm about to say. That's the most unrealistic part. I don't believe it. I don't believe, like, y'all lied about that. Yeah, one yeah. o'clock? Yeah, the cops are like, oh, well, the prom goes till one, so let's be ready at 1.30. I was like, do what now? Um, <laughs> and so, but that prom scene, you're talking downtime, it just kept showing high school kids dancing 
And then it was some teachers, mm-hmm. some teachers drinking some rum and then some more high school kids mm-hmm. dancing. And I was like, did they have mm-hmm. to meet a certain runtime to get there? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, but then the more I thought about it, the more I realized that that mm-hmm. was playing more into the documentary angle. All of the mm-hmm. downtime allows you to really sit and wonder, you know, I, I don't, I've never lived anywhere that was in the grips of a serial mm-hmm. killer, but mm-hmm. I, you can, I can only imagine that if you were, you know, if you were in New York during the summer of Sam, that that's how it mm-hmm. felt. Most of mm-hmm. your life is spent trying to live a normal life and pretend like mm-hmm. this stuff isn't happening. So as I kind of got into that mindset, um, with all the downtime that was in this movie, it, uh, it I felt like it really built something unique, uh, something mm-hmm. that uh, off the top of my head, I, it's it's so often when we do this show, when you, when you watch a horror movie, it's so mm-hmm. easy to just stick your hand into the ether and pull back a, a reference that they've made or, oh, this mm-hmm. is just like this. You know, the, 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 mm-hmm. the horror genre has gotten so rife with those that that's how we get the movie cabin in the woods it's an entire mm-hmm. movie made ex- exclusively yeah. of those things mm-hmm. but i couldn't do that with this movie this was mm-hmm. not a movie where i could go oh this is a-. and granted it came out mm-hmm. in 76 this predates the mm-hmm. the slasher era which you know kind of mm-hmm. officially started with texas chainsaw and and uh halloween Mm-hmm. Which uh, you know that that would be Dave's thing to normally talk about. He could even yeah. give you the, he could even give you the years, um, but uh, Halloween's eighty one, I think. But um, oh, and- I thought Halloween was nineteen seventy seven. Sure, you you are I'm probably not- more right than me. Dave's the I'm numbers not- guy. I'm not a numbers girl. I'm not a numbers girl. <laughs> but uh, but I mean, still, this this predates those things. So. It's interesting to see where they they didn't have those things to reference. Mm-hmm. So you start to look at this and go, uh, when I was talking to Dave about this setting up for the show today, mm-hmm. he referenced this movie as a proto slasher, mm-hmm. which I, I think is, is a really apt term for this because mm-hmm. – when you look at what makes this movie scary and you, mm-hmm. like you said, you start to stack it up against these other things and it feels mm-hmm. lesser or not the same, mm-hmm. but this movie is the blueprint. This yes. movie is, this movie is the idea of, can mm-hmm. you make a movie where people are just trying to stop a mass killer and mm-hmm. w- whether or not they can be successful. Mm-hmm. And the story that we're given here tells that in a way that, you know it existed early on in the genre and that becomes pretty cool i also found myself enamored with the comedic elements of this movie it's like they were tokyo drifting in every chance they got i was like why are y'all driving these cars like this it was so good what was even better was at one point they showed the exact same clip of him like fist telling, <laughs> and then it cuts to him driving, and then it's the exact same like, clip. I was like, they did that because they're yeah. like, we can't risk that again. Because yep. I'm like, oh my goodness, like how was nobody hurt? Our stunt drivers got one good drift in him. We're gonna show it four times. Just like, in this 1946 car where the wheels probably cannot hold up at all. Yeah, and then, they did it so much though. It was so like that was that like I I enjoyed I enjoyed that. You know, uh, uh, something that was intentionally funny. All the cops in drag 
was oh, and then honestly commenting on that i said oh no that would uh um, that is not drag i've seen that <laughs> is right. something better than that i don't know what they was doing but there was i've seen drag that was like 10 out of 10. i don't know what they thought they were doing but sit down and then they didn't even look like like they didn't that i don't know what their plan was i said don't do that ever again oh my god was it like, was, that was it was it was so ridiculous but at the same time at the same time you got to figure in the 40s like that's before mm -hmm. drag really took off right like mm -hmm. <laughs> i mean i guess the what the the roots of drag probably go back to like shakespeare but, uh, yeah. but it was yeah it was so funny because they put makeup on them but they made no attempt to make them look like women yeah. it was, they were obviously like just Indian, dudes they were like they were supposed to be like teenage I teenage, that's what i said i don't know how y'all thought he was gonna fall for this he said sit, he said sit low in your seat yeah i'm like <laughs> no like that like i we no from miles away people would go absolutely not like i'm not gonna kill you because you're not what i'm looking for exactly like, no and so it was and that was that was honestly that really fell into that like so bad that it's hilarious category <laughs> i i i loved that some of the cop relationships that that felt completely out of place but mm. at the same time in a movie with so much downtime filled mm. some of that just spark plug as, as as a character and we'll, we'll get to characters in a minute but just mm. his whole relationship with everybody in the force but that scene when he's sitting there and and he like puts the radio antenna out the window and then the other cop is like hitting on him kind of like yeah. trying to make it seem real and his balloon boob pops yeah i was, laughed so hard i was like i don't I, I feel like this the like you said the downtime is what made it like so realistic because everybody had a true personality it wasn't like it's like everybody didn't really know the seriousness outside of like the captain and us. So it's like, it right. makes so much sense that they're like, it's not a lot of pressure on them. They're like, well, we just got to catch him. Whereas he's like, oh, well, I have to find him so they can catch him. So it's like, it was so much like, like you said, the downtime, it was just really, it was enjoyable. Like I said, between the Tokyo drifting and the, and the guy who just don't know how to drive for nothing. I was like, <laughs> how do y'all not know that this man is trash and driving? Like he crashed <laughs> into a puddle talking about some Oh, well, uh, why did they put a sign down there? I'm like, because, honey, they didn't expect you to be driving 80 miles per hour straight <laughs> down the street. Like, that's not, oh, my goodness. I, was like, I don't know how they didn't die. I don't know how yeah. he didn't kill them before they could do anything. And, yeah, so some of, some of that stuff that was intentionally funny, I did love that. But the funniest thing in this movie to me was something that was not intentionally funny at all. It is absolutely just a product of the time. And so when they're on, when they're like, it's when they're, they're looking for what ends up becoming um, his second kill. And uh, mm -hmm. so they, the cop is out there driving. He hears the gunshots. He drives out. He finds the abandoned car and mm -hmm. it's supposed to be nighttime. He's outside mm -hmm. of his car with a flashlight and it is quite obviously at latest. <laughs> evening like shadows from the trees just completely <laughs> evident on the ground and he's still selling the crap out of it out there with <laughs> yeah, the flashlight like, shining it around like, like he can't see a thing and it was i i was i was laughing so hard and i was like i know they didn't even mean for this to be funny but that yeah. killed me 
it was, and then they had like porn rain and I'm like, stop. <laughs> I was like, I was just like, okay. And his, I was and his, like, his little hands on like the small <laughs> steering wheel while the one wiper just goes real fast. <laughs> and it's that extreme close up of yeah. just the windshield. Like those are the types of things that I love going back and finding and remembering doing this mm-hmm. podcast. When we go back and we do some of these grindhouse style films mm-hmm. that came out during that time that are uh, that are products of their budget and of their time. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look back at this movie and it was made in 19 or it was released in 1976. Let's mm-hmm. say it's made in 1975 for $400,000, which, you know, inflation makes that a lot more, but still yeah. even with inflation, the budget for this movie was nothing. Mm-hmm. And so it's so great to go back and see them tell a compelling story and and to and to to get me sucked in because when it first started i did not think i was going to be into this movie yeah i i, I really thought i was like you know i'm i was like i, <laughs> I don't want to be the one to dunk on this movie tomorrow but <laughs> but i feel like it might happen but as it just kept going that that part of me that just loves and appreciates this style of horror mm-hmm. film just just kept breaking through a little bit more and and mm-hmm. i found myself not not crapping on the idea of some of these low budget things like the flashlight in the daytime and stuff mm-hmm. like that and just just enjoying it yes but there is one part of the story of this movie that is extremely controversial as i as i went and read today and Mm -hmm. so i i do want to point it out because i definitely want to make sure we talk about this let's talk about the way that the town the dreaded sundown ends because Mm -hmm. this seems to be a sticking point for so many people who watch this Mm -hmm. movie so this movie, we get the final showdown between the cops and the killer. They're mm-hmm. there. The Phantom Killer, the cops are in the same place. They finally kind of outsmarted him. Mm-hmm. You get this great showdown. He takes a shot in the leg, but they got to wait for the train to get by so they can go mm-hmm. find him. And they never find him. And we get the voiceover that says, some people mm-hmm. say he got caught for something else and he's still in jail. Some people say he drowned in the swamp. Some people mm-hmm. say he could be in the theater right next to you. You know, like yeah. they do that whole thing. If they show shoes. Yes, I mean, yeah, just the shoes. How do you feel about the end of the movie? I love it. Okay. <laughs> I, I genuinely do love it. And not because it's like the whole thing, like keeping it open for a sequel. Like, no, I love it because it just instills that fear. It doesn't give you comfort. It doesn't go, oh, he's dead. So you can you can rest easy now. Like, no. Like, after I finished that movie yesterday in the daytime, and I was looking out my window, I promise. <laughs> like, I, like, this was, I promise you. Like, I was like, I like it because I'm looking over my shoulder. Like, I like that because that means it sat with you. That means the realism, they did their job. So it's like, I love the fact that even though he got shot in the leg, he got away because it's really like, it makes you remember it. Like, you right. go, oh my goodness, like, I'm looking out the window for at least two weeks. I'm not going to feel safe <laughs> until I know that this man in this pillowcase ain't looking in my window, especially <laughs> since, spoiler, he shot somebody through the window. Like, yes, so it's he like did. You especially like, like, and then he using guns. It's just like, it makes you just uneasy in the sense of this was a real man. They pitching it as a documentary. It's based off of an actual killing in Texarkana. It kind of gives me the vibe of when Texas Chainsaw Massacre did that. They was like, 
they don't know if he's you know like i didn't step a big a big toe in texas after seeing it <laughs> like it it really it does it's just uh -oh. job as a slasher to me because it, it like i said it does its job as a slasher it scares you it makes this one guy like become this whole entity that you just don't want to even say you don't even want to say the phantom because if you right. pop up my goodness like this it. so i i love it i'm sorry <laughs> don't oh, hate no, me don't, other people who don't love it. no don't love be it. sorry <laughs> i've been i've been back and forth with this a lot today because initially when it ended last night i was like ah pfft. like right like that was i was like oh it just it felt it felt like it just fizzled yeah. out for me mm -hmm. at the end but then i went back today and and i kind of i revisited just that final scene mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and i looked and i looked at the way it was shot and just some of the artistry mm -hmm. that was used in mm -hmm. that and just those those long shots of the swamp and just telling you about mm -hmm. what the texarkana swamps like and it swallowed up mm -hmm. it swallowed up you know better men than him and mm -hmm. and they give you that whole thing and then yeah then you get the shoes in line and 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 i was like maybe maybe that is scarier right because there there is a there is a sense of <laughs> catharsis that comes from watching mm -hmm. michael myers take four to the chest right you know in this mm -hmm. day and age he's gonna be back but you but you you, yeah. you at least you at least get that moment where you can breathe you can breathe a little easier because somebody mm -hmm. dropped him you like you gotta heal <laughs> exactly exactly he needs some time but you you don't get that here so for a movie that constantly instilled this sense of dread about mm -hmm. what this would be like mm -hmm. the more and more i thought about the ending of this movie the more i appreciated that coming out 30 years after you so uh, you assume that that a guy to be able to do this a guy would have to be in decent physical shape so let's say mm -hmm. at most the phantom is like 35 Mm -hmm. and so this movie comes out 30 years later why am i getting scared i don't i'm sorry <laughs> um, yeah exactly this movie comes out 30 years later you're in the theater watching it going it's not outside the realm of possibility that this dude's still alive i live in texarkana if this guy's still here i could have mm -hmm. run into him at the grocery store and so while it is mm -hmm. truly how it happened this guy got away choosing to end the movie like that instead of giving everybody that sense of relief that mm -hmm. really makes it scarier and i can see where it's upsetting to a lot of people mm -hmm. because they desperately wanted that mm -hmm. i can also respect the shit out of the idea that the guy who set out to make this movie took one last shot at scaring mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. and that's really cool just yes. to relentlessly try to terrify. We always have the conversation on the show about the difference between being startled and being scared. The ending mm -hmm. of this movie focuses on being scared. Mm -hmm. This is the type of movie where, we, yeah, when you go home, every mm -hmm. step between your car and the front door, a mm -hmm. stick cracking, just mm -hmm. something falling in the distance. You notice mm -hmm. all of that because you're in that heightened sense of alert. And the exactly. ending is what sells that. So yesterday mm -hmm. I was ready to talk trash about <laughs> the ending of this movie. I was because Dave had given me the David giving me the heads up, and he was like, "It's got either the best or the worst ending ever." Like I can't wait to hear mm -hmm. what you have to say. And it ended last night, and I was like, "Can't wait to tell him it's the worst ending ever." <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then, 
as the day went on, I was like, no, no, that's scarier. And, mm-hmm. and it's, it's a dedication to instilling fear in people. Mm-hmm. That's really, really cool. And, and end of the day, I can't take anything away from them for, for taking that extra step. Mm-hmm. And like I said, but still giving a little bit of relief because you can choose to believe that he drowned in the swamp because mm-hmm. that shot he took to the leg took him off his feet. It was obviously, you know, a good hit. It flew. He went up. <laughs> he did. <laughs> it was a great shot, too, like underneath the train, like the moving train. Like, mm-hmm. I'll give it to that guy. It was a hell of a shot. But so it's, 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 mm-hmm. it's very choose your own adventure. Right. It's, it's like, well, how well do you want to sleep tonight? Do you want to sleep thinking that the cops win mm-hmm. and this guy doesn't get away? Mm-hmm. Or do you want to mm-hmm. look out the window every time you hear something like you said, mm-hmm. like for two weeks, just uneasy anytime you're close to the window? Like, yes. So, like, I, like I said, oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Like, go ahead. I completely agree with you. Like you say, it's like a choose your own adventure. And like you said, I honestly, I commend it because I feel like a lot of people don't really want to, I wouldn't say a lot of people wouldn't want to risk it, but it's like you still want to be able to give the enjoyment of a movie because that's the main purpose is entertainment. You don't want anybody leaving with any type of bad emotions or bad feelings, but it's also about like experience because right. if that's lingering, you're going to keep thinking about it. Like you're going to keep going Oh, I remember I watched that movie. Oh, I just never should have watched that movie. But we all know we're going to go back and watch the movie anyway. Because it's like, it still gave us like this. It's kind of like Halloween. Like you go into a haunted house, you get scared. You're like, I'm never coming back. But you come back anyway. But you always go back. Exactly. So I, like you said, I commend it for going ahead, especially at a time where it wasn't really any slashers. Like you are the first, you are the prototype and you risk leaving people going uh, you know, like, I don't think I like slashers. If yeah, they're going to exactly. be real, that, I don't that, think I like I didn't even think about that element of it. Like, when you're establishing a genre, mm. the idea of creating one that's so scary that you don't set anything up for the future mm-hmm. is really, that's it's a bold move to, 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 choose, to choose to scare people rather than create a path i mean now granted obviously the path was created and these movies yes. kept coming but at the time that that wasn't the idea i also loved how you brought up that it it obviously wasn't just setting it up for a sequel which is what mm-hmm. you know everything's looking to be a franchise these days mm-hmm. but that wasn't the idea there this was really just to keep it scary and that that's yeah. really cool so we'll get back to the phantom in a minute but before mm-hmm. we do that I want us to look at the characters in this movie. I mean, we've got a real tight cast here. There's a lot of mm-hmm. bodies in this movie. Mm-hmm. But as far as characters who actually say anything or have any play <laughs> on what happens, mm-hmm. we got a real small window of people, which leaves not a lot of room for error. So, mm-hmm. I mean, good ways, bad ways. Who did you walk away from this movie remembering? Well, I walked away remembering the not detective officer Ramsey. Yes. Because even though he once the uh I believe it was Long Ranger or Detective Morales. Yes. Even though yes. He, like Captain he Morales. came in, Captain Morales. He came in and of course he led. So uh Officer Ramsey didn't really get to say much. But I guess it was just like 
his presence because he held it down before uh captain morales came in like he was like he was the first one to pinpoint that this was a serious thing he was like right. oh shoot like he was the one like you said in the fake dark in the fake night going <laughs> ah, i got to get him you know like he was the <laughs> dedication that really pushed forward like the movie so i say he stood out the most yeah i i, I agree i liked him a lot he he did so much as the as that you know just he was he was the hard-boiled detective mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. of you know of like small town texas yes <laughs> uh, um i i loved captain morales i mean mm -hmm. uh, captain just as soon as he gets off the train i was like this man looks like boss hog from the dukes of hazard and i'm here <laughs> for it like <laughs> I, he he was I love that that they set him up with this idea of, you know, he's the roughest, toughest Texas Ranger that's ever mm -hmm. been. And so you expect a cowboy to mm -hmm. get off of, of this train and he gets off in his three-piece suit and it's mm -hmm. all white. And it's like, mm -hmm. okay, like I see you, Captain Morales. And he's he's always got his cigar and he's just he's just a take no shit guy. Yeah. And and I loved that. I loved how he was so up front with how ridiculous he thought some of these people were. I mm. love how he was a dude who made a plan and just stuck to it. He was like, this is what we're doing. Everybody shut up and listen. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. You know, and it, and it was, it was, it, it really played into, like I said, at the top, that cop procedural angle of this, because mm -hmm. he, the two of them were very much uh, characters that you would take from any sort of, cop movie mm -hmm. those are the two guys you'd find the small town guy who needed mm -hmm. some help and the the big national guy who's going to come in and save mm -hmm. the world and then they both do their part and there's a little mm -hmm. buddy buddy and those two guys are absolutely what carried this movie mm -hmm. they're the ones who made that downtime bearable because you found yourself interested in what their plan was mm -hmm. and you found yourself wanting to know what their logic was for what they mm -hmm. were setting up. So those two guys were, were great. I did love them, but man, I, I mentioned him a minute ago. I would be remiss if I did not take a second to just talk about spark plug. I mean, come yeah. on. <laughs> yes. And then, Oh, I'm sorry. And then you mentioned, I'm not gonna lie. You mentioned Dukes of Hazzard. I've never seen it, but it's still, I still understand like the prototype of the cop duo that you were talking about. Right. And like you said, Spark Plug, he was a character. Like he was my number two because, <laughs> honey, what are you doing? It's like he always doing something. Like he always just like cussing out like people. They're calling to you for help. You like that's it. I'm putting in a cop car. I'm coming down there. Like, and I'm gonna shoot your dog. <laughs> yeah, like you can't threaten to shoot someone's dog. Are you, are you crazy? It was just like he was just all over the place that I don't understand how he didn't get fired. Like, I don't um, understand how he didn't get put on leave. Like what is going on? He was, he was the Barney Fife of, of the Texarkana police department. Like he was absolutely just Don Knotts, but in, in Texas. And it was, and, and, you know, it's always, it's always a real razor thin line on throwing comedy into something that's not a horror comedy. And mm -hmm. you've got to have somebody who's going to play it well and, and not mm -hmm. screw the whole thing up. And mm -hmm. um, I mean, the, the guy, 
just he he pulled it off. He mm-hmm. he killed it was it was so funny. Uh and and he was the one who was dressed like the woman when the other cop was mm-hmm. hitting on him and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And it, it like I said, just it just constantly reminded me of of Barney Fife from the Andy Griffith show. Like, because that was the role he filled. He was a guy who was gung-ho about his job. He took his job very seriously. And regardless of how good or bad he was at it, he thought he was the best at it. Spark Plug mm-hmm. did not think there was a better cop in the <laughs> world than him until he met Captain Morales. And then mm-hmm. the hero worship that he poured exactly. on this guy. It was just, it was mm-hmm. incredible. And it and it made for something that was just fun to watch, and and we mm-hmm. it's it's always nice to be able to not just wait for a movie story to take you from kill to kill to kill, but to enjoy mm-hmm. your time in the middle. And yes. so, I I I loved him. He was great. One of the other things that, that was interesting about the characters for this movie, you had mentioned it way back at the beginning, which is so often in a slasher, we're presented with victims that we don't have a lot of empathy for, mm-hmm. or a lot of, or excuse me, a lot of sympathy for. Mm-hmm. You, you, you go watch Friday the 13th and you're like, yeah, most of these <laughs> kids deserve this. Yeah. Right. Like you, they're all jerks. I'm like, yes. oh my goodness. Like, is it not one nice person in y'all friend group? Like, y'all are so mean <laughs> for no reason. Like the new Texas chainsaw. Dave mm-hmm. and I loved it. But there was really only one. And the the one, the final girl was the only one I, I was interested in surviving. Everybody else, I was like, yep, get got. We're yeah. good. You know? <laughs> this movie did an interesting job of creating characters in very small time frames mm-hmm. and they established them as characters just enough to where you were sympathetic to their plight. You didn't want any of Phantom's victims to get killed mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because they were just Tom, Dick and Harry off the street. Yeah. The, these were, they, they, they hadn't done anything wrong. Right. Like, yeah, the one guy kept laying his head in the girl's lap, but he wasn't, you know, they could have been way worse. You know, there there are there are far worse things that horror movies have done that make people deserve Yeah, like to be it's there was a it's a worser jerks in horror movies. Like I said, him <laughs> like the I'm not gonna lie, the men in this movie did sort of annoy me because okay. it was like y'all could have lived had y'all just listened and just went home. <laughs> like they asked, like she said, hey, let's go home. And you're like, no. I'm like, see, that's what you get. Like, because you, you should have went home. Like, you sitting up here, like, no, go home, like she said. And then it was like one couple. Like I said, their, their relationship was like problematic. Like, I was just like, oh, Lord, this is this is a lot. But it was just like nobody wanted to listen. And right. I'm just like, I don't understand why y'all not listening. Like, they said, let's go. It's a killer. The police said it's a killer. And they're like, no, but we can stay out here. And I'm like, I don't feel bad for y'all. Like, get chopped <laughs> he up. Said, like he, that. he said, that happens on the outskirts of town. We're going yeah. into town. It's okay. That's what I'm like. Um, no, why did why even risk it? Like, she's like, I gotta be home by 2 30. And you like, well, we can just say, you know what? Get him. Like when he pulled yeah. him out, I was like, get him. Like, you should have listened. <laughs> I was like, you should have listened. But it's just like you said, it's like they make you feel really bad, especially the couple at the end. Oh, my goodness. I felt 
so awful for them. That one, that one hurt. It's like he crossed the phantom, like crossed the line. Like usually he'll stay in the woods or stay in a secluded area or kind of sneak up on a car. But he's like, no, nah, I'm gonna come to your house. I was yes. like, whoa. And then he started pulling out, he started pulling out the guns. I was like, whoa. I was <laughs> like, you have too many access to too many things that could actually help you get things done faster. And it was just like, like the practical effects, it looked so real. Like honestly, like you said, for the four hundred thousand dollar budget it had in nineteen seventies, like that the it looked like it actually like shot. And I was like, okay, this looks really real. And I commend the pra- practical effects. Like they did an awesome job on practical effects because everything looked real and uneasy and aggressive. Yes. 100 uh, percent i i i agree and so as you as you're talking about it you know that that is the character we need to get into right we're looking at the phantom as the the slasher prototype this is a guy who everybody always looks back and goes well michael myers is the blueprint but town that dreaded sundown predates halloween so we can go back and we can look at the phantom as the prototype mm-hmm. as the blueprint so when mm-hmm. you look at the phantom this is a guy that we get no background story on. We get no information. We never see anything but his face. How does that build a compelling antagonist for you? Honestly, it builds it because the, the funny thing is I'm watching it and we're talking about it. And I see that a lot of inspiration for our slasher actually drawed from the Phantom because of how realistic I wanted our slasher to be. Because, like you said, the fact that we don't know anything about him. We don't know his face. We don't know his age. We don't know where he's from. Is he even from Texarkana? Like, is he just chilling and coming back and forth? Like, it's like you don't know, especially since, like, his kills are, like, two weeks, three weeks apart. Like, he could be just flying in and out or coming in and out. Like, we don't really know. So, I feel like it's effective in the sense that it kind of creates, like, this urban legend like this ghostly feel of like i said like you said um like don't say his name type of thing like a candy man type of thing yeah like even though he's a real guy it's like everybody started boarding up their windows like they started doing things that seemed like you would do for like a a demon or an entity like they like Sun's going down. The devil is out. We got to get in the house. Now, you know, like, you you know, you would think oh, I can go lock my car up. They're like, no, we're boarding windows. We're doing, we can lock the car in the morning. Like, there's like delivery boards. They deliver during the daytime. We don't need yes. to come out when the sun is going up. Like, we need the sun out. So it's kind of like this evil entity. And I feel like that, yeah, that really, I feel like that really helps the, seriousness of who the phantom is and who like they're pushing him to be and honestly the realism of it because if he's smart it's it's like it's really giving zodiac killer like if he's there really smart like ain't no catching him like like yeah. you don't know anything about him like immediately i went to zodiac killer i was like that's scary like to know that he's walking right next to you, chilling, talking. The next thing you know, he's breaking into your house. Like, it's very scary. So I feel like that builds who the Phantom is quite a lot. Yeah, I that I could not agree with you more. It's a very, it, 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 that again builds towards the realism, especially when you look at the idea that we don't see how it ends. 
So we mm. would have, if, if based on a true story, he maybe got away. We wouldn't have any information on him, mm-hmm. which like I said, I referenced the summer of Sam earlier. If you're living through that, if you're if you're on a college dorm when when mm-hmm. Ted Bundy, before people knew it was Ted Bundy, is out there mm-hmm. ravaging these places, mm-hmm. that's the way you're living. You just mm-hmm. know that there's somebody out there killing. You don't know why. You don't know mm-hmm. who they are. You have no reason to 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 feel like you might be safe. Mm-hmm. And so that builds part of the terror of this movie is it you, we as the audience aren't giving mm-hmm. aren't given any sort of omnipotence mm-hmm. into this guy's background. Mm-hmm. So often as a slasher franchise continues the movie where they reveal why they are the way they are mm-hmm. is the one that always sucks. Right. To the oh, point, no. to the point that Halloween retconned the curse of Michael Myers. Mm-hmm. Because it got so out of pocket with how they, why they were killing him that we eventually just retconned all that and they go, oh mm-hmm. no, the reason is because he saw Jamie Lee Curtis first. That's it. Yeah. He saw, you know, he saw Lori. That's why mm-hmm. he's obsessed with her. And something that simple made it much scarier than when we had mm-hmm. this whole bizarre and ridiculous explanation. Mm-hmm. Having nothing is even scarier. There was no rhyme or reason because at first you're like, Oh, so he's just a random killer who's plucking these people off lovers lanes because they're easy to get to. Mm -hmm. But like you said, that last couple, Mm -hmm. he goes all the way to their house. Suddenly motive, rhyme, reason, all of those things are thrown out the Mm -hmm. window and it gets Mm -hmm. even scarier. It establishes this idea that there are people out here uh, similar to when we did the strangers a couple weeks ago. There were people out mm-hmm. here who just do this to do it. And that may be mm-hmm. all we ever know about them. And mm-hmm. so not establishing any of that stuff, never showing us his face. That is compelling. Mm-hmm. That is great. I don't need a reason to sympathize, empathize, or care yeah. about the phantom. I don't need those things. I want to mm-hmm. be scared mm-hmm. of the phantom. I don't want a reason to go, ah, well, you know, he, he and was, I he feel like childhood. They, no, go ahead. Yeah. And I feel like that's one of the, I feel like that's one of like the main reasons, like you said, that I really, not like you said, that's one of the main reasons, like I said, that I really liked the Phantom. Because, oh, well, now we see why he'll, like Jason right. Hill, honestly, it's pretty. It, it's not that he killed all of those people, but it kind of gives this validation of they let him drown. Like he probably just yeah. kept getting triggered and going back to oh, the camp counselors. They let me drown, and it's like, yeah, no, like the Phantom Killer is like because I want to, and he does it in the wildest ways, the most different ways. So it's not like he just stick to one way of hurting people. He just like, nah, I'm going to do whatever comes to my mind at the moment. You know, like whatever I feel like is cool. And I feel like that is really scary. I feel like to give a killer a reason, we slowly start to like empathize with them. And then we slowly yep. start to go, I mean, these kids are jerks anyway, right? Like, you know, like, it's exactly. just like let's just see where this goes and it's just like no like we need to not like this person like no matter how jerky the kids are we need to not like these people like so 
I, like you said, I completely agree with not giving the killer a background at all. Like no sympathy. Yeah. And, and it's just like, and like I said, when you just look at the history of this again, a bold move to do that mm -hmm. first, but mm -hmm. it also makes the most sense. I mean, you go back through the history of serial killers in America. I mean, you can go back to H.H. H. Holmes, who died in like mm -hmm. the late 1800s, right? Mm -hmm. People, you know, it's like the guy was unhinged, but we don't really know why, you know? Mm -hmm. We, even people like Ted Bundy, who spent all mm -hmm. this time on death row and, and spent all this time mm -hmm. with, you know, cops and psychiatrists. Mm -hmm. there, there there's not a lot of tragic backstory there this dude was just a severely screwed up individual mm -hmm. and so when you take the idea of of this movie and you it, it really does create someone terrifying because mm -hmm. it just it just it and it, it builds to that ending of it could be the mm -hmm. guy sitting next to you in the theater right now because we don't know mm -hmm. anything about him and i think that's it's great Yes, it's nightmare fueling. It could be, it could be your friend. It could be yeah. your neighbor. It could be your dad. You know, like it yeah. could be your parents. Like you know, like and that's the scariest part about it. Like it was. I feel like making it seem so close to home by not giving him a background by saying he could be the guy checking you out the store like you know like especially since that's how he got the last couple like he was just driving and yeah the pulled up and she said how you doing he was like you're next like he was like you spoke to me you're next like that is very nightmare fueling and it makes you untrustworthy of a lot of people <laughs> it, <laughs> you know, it really, i don't know you like, it really does it really does so we've we've talked a lot about the fact that he's killed a lot of people mm -hmm. So let's get into what makes a horror, you know, what makes a slasher? Why do we watch these? We watch these because we we want to see how the people die. So mm -hmm. let's let's get into the kills. I mean, ultimately, we want to we want to see if he's gonna come up with creative ways or how mm -hmm. he's going to off all of these people. So mm -hmm. when you look at the the violence and the kills in this movie, I mean, what stands out? Uh the trombone and the <laughs> knife, like because I till this day, like that's what's so cool about this movie. Till this day, I haven't seen anything as odd as that. Like the like that that stands out. Like we can go splitting, you know, like splitting people in half or cutting off limb by limb. But the fact that he was like, like you brought a like I never thought of that like you know like the fact that he was like I'm gonna use it like yeah. does it make noise like it's even scarier at the fact that he was like just having fun you know just gonna yeah. keep stabbing him until it's it until you're done and it, that's the most creative odd I I don't know how anybody even thought of that kill that I've seen in a horror movie like to date yeah the it's what's bizarre about the trombone kill which is what any conversation about this movie is eventually going to come down to mm -hmm. <laughs> what's bizarre about the trombone kill is it is it is it is playful and and now in in 2023 we're used to the idea of a slasher in a movie coming up with a creative way to kill people we're mm -hmm. used to that jason mm -hmm. has done some bizarre things right chucky <laughs> has done incredible oh, things with household <laughs> items right but in 1976 this is a this is a film creator who was like yeah this movie's gonna be scary and this is how we're gonna do this 
but also let's have some fun with it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, so you establish that, that that's kind of fun, which is I'm sure blowing people's minds in 76. Mm -hmm. The mm -hmm. fact that you can kill somebody in, in a bizarre way like this, that's almost funny, mm -hmm. but on the surface, it's funny because it kills somebody with a trombone. Mm -hmm. And, and like I said, we're used to that type of stuff now. But when you start to break that kill down, it gets real weird because <laughs> there's a sense of childlike wonder to be mm -hmm. had in a guy who finds a way to kill someone with a trombone. Yes. And that is when this kill crosses the line from funny and whimsical to disturbing. absolutely terrifying and disturbing <laughs> because now now you start to put yourself into what type of mindset does a person have to have mm -hmm. to kill somebody with a trombone? Mm -hmm. And so you start to think all new things about this guy that we have no background on. So you start to create all this headcanon around who or what the phantom is. And, and you, and I kept going back to that one because my initial thought was the same as everybody's initial thought. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. But then I start going, that's how like a kid would do something. That's how somebody who is stunted might do something mm -hmm. is, mm -hmm. or that's just how somebody who's so disturbed that they're able to take anything around them and turn it into a weapon. Mm -hmm. And it establishes as, as humorous as that kill is, it establishes a level of depth to this character mm -hmm. in something that surface level is really goofy. Mm -hmm. And that was one that has I've, I've that is that and the end are the longest rides I've had in the past 24 hours is establishing mm -hmm. how I stood on the end. And the more and more I thought about that trombone kill, the weirder and and deeper that that got for me. And am I possibly reading too much into this? Yes. But that's my that's my right. Honestly, <laughs> As somebody yes. who's watching this movie almost 50 years later. Yes, that, like you said, that is your right. And honestly, I would think that deep as well, especially with the documentary style that they're going for. We're trying to analyze why this man is doing this thing to go, oh, you brought a trombone? I want to play with it. Like this, such a, like you said, a very like this a very childish thing like i can't even it's just disturbing and childish to go i'm gonna take this here and i'm gonna do this here and see how this works and the fact that he like was taking his time it was no i gotta hurry up and get him so i can go it's like kind of a balance of like ego and also just disturbing seeing what fun stuff i can do to them and it was just really it was just very disturbing like yeah. that, that kill i just honestly it's no explaining it like the fact that because it's like okay so has she not brought it like what would you have done type of right. thing like had it been like something different like a drum set or something you know like it's like <laughs> what would you have done like seriously like you are very disturbing and it's like he was taking his time like he knew he wouldn't get caught so he was just like okay i'm gonna test this out i'm gonna wrap this up and we're gonna do this and it's just like that that kill was very disturbing and that stuck with me throughout a lot of different slashes i'm, I'm still wondering to this day like why why would yeah you do this like, there's there, there's also a really interesting thing to see in this movie the the progression of 
level of violence uh, in in how he kills people. That very first car that he takes, he just breaks out the window and he doesn't actually kill them. He mm-hmm. just kind of beats them, but they both mm-hmm. survive. And you see that he's just got like some sort of, you know, like heavy stick. And it mm-hmm. looks like maybe he's got some sort of wire or something in his hands mm-hmm. for that very first one. Mm-hmm. And then things pick up to the till the end when he realizes his potential of efficiency and he's just shooting people. Yeah. And that's that's again, it, you know, if that if that is coming from the the real story, that mm-hmm. shows an escalation of violence in mm-hmm. in in it stopping being something that's real angry and mm-hmm. and almost playful like mm-hmm. trying to get in the door breaking the window out and dragging mm-hmm. them to something that's just efficient which is i can stand here and kill you over there and we can be done yeah so again you when you when you look at that and you look at character development of the phantom throughout the kills we establish that this is a guy who's learning and and mm-hmm. and becoming more efficient and finding better ways to do this, you can only assume because it's racking his body count up mm-hmm. faster. And so the violence in this movie does something that a lot of horror movies don't do, which is the violence in itself and the escalation therein tells a story. It tells a story of what a killer is really like. Mm-hmm. In, in finding new and better ways to do this. When you go mm-hmm. back through, and the again, the history of real-life serial killers, mm-hmm. while the MO may stay the same, there does develop a, a level of efficiency because they get better at what they're doing. You go, back exactly. and you, look, you go back and you look at BTK, you look at the Chicago Ripper. When you look at these people, they kept doing the same thing, but mm-hmm. they got better at it. Mm-hmm. And this, I thought that that was something that I don't remember seeing very often in a horror movie was violence not being just a shock element, mm-hmm. but it did become a storytelling device, yeah. which was really cool. Yeah, like you said, that is, he got better. And like you said, compared to all the other slashers, even though they do things like different, like they get wilder, they don't really get as efficient. Like their goal doesn't become, okay, how do I kill these people faster, better without getting caught? It's more of like torture, murder, which right. makes sense because it's a slasher. You know, like, so no dirt on that. Like that's a slasher that makes sense. However, when it comes to the Phantom, he like, okay, now I got to find faster and better ways to do this. Like I can't keep pulling them out and choking them because obviously that doesn't, you know, that doesn't do it very quickly. And also he realizes, I honestly, I'm still iffy about the guy in the diner being him kind of overhearing their conversation. Right. So it's like, I'm wondering if that was him, is that the reason that really pushed him to go, okay, now I got to use a gun because I can't go slow. I got to be fast because if the police get here, then I got to go. Like, so I'm wondering if that was him or they were pushing that to be like, okay, this is him. He's hearing them. Like, is that one of the reasons why he was like, okay, no more trombone, you know, like no more (laughs) taking my time because it's like, now I just got to kill. And honestly, that makes it even worse because it's like, instead of you just stopping, instead of you not doing it, you go, okay, I'm going to do it faster. I'm going to do it better. And 
in this a lot. Yeah, no, and again, again, telling a story through the use mm-hmm. of violence. Like, not only is he learning to be more efficient, he's learning he has to be because the cops are closing in. If it is mm-hmm. the guy in the diner, you're right, he's hearing mm-hmm. all of this information about how the cops are getting closer and they, they could, you know, they, 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 they think this and they think that. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, you're right. Instead of being like, Ooh, you know, heat's too much. Get out of the kitchen. It's Mm -hmm. all right. They're on to me. I'm still going to do this. I just need Mm -hmm. to be better. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, so, so ultimately I think we can agree that the town, the dreaded sundown is a tale of personal betterment. It's Mm self-improvement. On the bar. In a bad way. In, In a horrible way. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't murder it's, people. It's it's the compelling tale of a man with the vision to kill as many people as possible and mm-hmm. all of the things that he would do to make sure that nothing stopped him from living his dream. This mm-hmm. is uh this is the serial killers eat pray love. That's what this movie is. I oh think. Lord. <laughs> oh no, oh no. <laughs> He really needs to eat, pray, and love quite a lot because, oh no, we can't have that. <laughs> so, it, you know, there, it, all of these things are going to take us into our final thing that we're going to do here. And that is, it's going to be time for us to rate the movie. And so for anybody who may be new to the show, just needs a quick reminder. When we rate a movie here at Shiver, we only rate a movie against itself. So while we have spent a lot of time comparing this movie to other slashers, the rating of the town that dreaded sundown is only about what you think this movie deserves. And so in order to do that, we create a unique rating system for every movie. And so for the town that dreaded sundown, we had so much fun talking about it. It's the number one thing that everybody's going to talk about out of a possible five trombone kills. What do you give the town that dreaded sundown? I have a five. (laughs) Nothing wrong with that. It, like the kill itself or like the entire film? The, the whole, no, no, no. Just so like, it's just, it, instead of stars, we're just using trombone kills as just the metric. So no, the whole film, like out of a possible five, trombone kills is just the metric. But so okay. out of a possible five, what do you give the movie? I'm a, I, I'm going to keep my rating at a five. A lot of people say I'm too nice, but this is genuinely because it's like, it's nothing like it. I feel like it's no slash. Well, it's no slasher like it because it gives realism. It's like we following everybody. It's like we. It's a camera crew, and they just so happen to just be on the case and just without interviews. Like it's just like right. It, it's it's nothing like it. The how long the kills are. Like they don't choke people out in like two seconds. It's like no, they sit on it. They force you to sit through it. They force you to sit through the screams and the shootings. Like at the end where he was chasing the lady, it took so long. But 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 that's because that's how long it would actually take. Like it wouldn't be a flash here, a flash there. Like no, we following them throughout this whole thing. And it's just, to me, it's just such an original concept. So I give it a five out of five. All right. So I'm, I I really did enjoy this. And I, like I said, when it started, I didn't know how much I was going to enjoy it. When it got to the end, I wasn't that happy with it. But this is a movie where the 24 hours to sit on it has really helped me out. And I, as I broke down some of these things, working on my show notes today, kind of going over some of my talking points, I kept finding more and more things to like about this movie. I'm not going to quite go five. I'm not going to quite go five, but I'm not, I'm stuck in this place right now where I'm trying to decide. I've got just a couple things to knock it on. I didn't like the narrator. 
I, I, I get it. And okay. I, I get that it was an important storytelling element mm-hmm. for what they were doing with this movie. Mm-hmm. But I did, just wasn't, wasn't a big fan of that. Um, so, and one of the other things is I've been trying to decide um, how rewatchable this is. But as we've mm-hmm. sat here and talked about it, I, I, there's nothing I want to dock on this for being rewatchable because after talking mm-hmm. about it, I am excited to go watch it again. And this has become a mm-hmm. movie that I want to share with more people because mm-hmm. this is one that I knew existed but knew nothing about. And so mm-hmm. when you picked it, I was very excited to get a chance to watch mm-hmm. it. And now I do feel like this is a movie that I want to tell people about. So I've got nothing to dock it on for rewatchability. Like I said, the narrator thing kind of bothered me. Some of the downtime, mm-hmm. while I can understand why they went with it, I do feel mm-hmm. like it was sometimes it was just a little bit too much. So mm-hmm. I'm going to sit comfortably at four and a half trombone kills okay. um, for this movie. I ended up liking it a lot. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to go four and a half. And like I said, he is on a plane to Boston, but Dave made sure to text me his rating um, before we got this. So hot off the presses uh, from Dave, he is going to give it five trombone kills. He said, not only is this a fantastic proto slasher, it's also a great police procedural, amazing thriller, (laughs) and occasionally funny when it needs to be. This is the kind of horror experience most horrors only hope one day to be. Where would we be without the town that dreaded sundown? I don't know, and I don't want to know either. I agree with you, Dave. Awesome <laughs> analysis from the plane to Boston. I agree. So, so there we go. And so the quick math on that, five, five, four and a half. We don't do quarters. So the the overall shiver rating on the town that dreaded sundown is going to be five trombone kills. So, hey, first time on the show, Nakia. You you made a pick that knocked it out of the park. We have had people who have come on the show with their first pick and not done nearly this well. I have greatly enjoyed having you on today. You have been fantastic. Thank you so much. Tell people about how they can support and go out and watch Still Chosen by Random. You can go out and support and watch Still Chosen by Random. It comes out this fall, but right now we're currently raising funds to be able to finish out release. So you can go to stillchosenbyrandom.canva.site and it should be there for y'all to check out. We got trailers. We got promotional steals. We also have a breakdown of how Random came to be all the way up into the first one. It's predecessor, Faithful Witness in the Middle. So you get the drawings. You get to see a whole bunch of cool things. So you can find it there. Excellent. And uh, so if you are interested in that, make sure you head over there and support her. And it make sure you head to shiverpod.com, where after this episode goes live, we will have a link over to um, the Still Chosen by Random. So you can see all uh, you can see everything there. We'll put a link to that up on uh, shiverpod.com. So you can find the link to that. You can also find the link to all of our social and media. We I- are. Oh, no, go for it. <laughs> No, I'm sorry. And I was like, now I do want to say that, like you said, suggesting um, the time that dreaded sundown to people, I do like to give just like problematic things like trigger warnings and stuff. Like it does have some things in there that I feel like can be a bit triggering and problematic watching it in, you know, especially in today's time. So just consider that because, you know, I'll watch it. Yeah, we we have the conversation on here all the time about how you 
sometimes you do have to just kind of watch something through the lens of when it was made while still keeping your current mindset. And so that's, and so I'm, we always try to be very mindful of not crapping on something for doing that. But I do think it is worthwhile to mention there can be some things that would be upsetting to people, um, you know, outside of getting killed at the trombone. Uh, so <laughs> make sure you head to superpod.com where you can get you can get a link to everything uh, related to Still Chosen by Random. You can also find all of our social media outlets. We are everywhere at Shiver Pod. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. Instagram being our most popular way that we communicate with people. And, or, if you are interested, you can also email us at shiverpod at gmail.com. That's how Nakia got to us and she got to be on the show. <laughs> so if you're listening and you've got an idea for something that you want to do, you got something horror related you want to promote, shoot us an email. We'll give you a chance. We love to meet new people. Nakia, you've been awesome. I hope this movie blows oh, up for you. you. Oh, I hope you do you some so great much. things. I appreciate it. Thank y'all so much for having me. I had so much fun. <laughs> I'm so glad you had a good time. We can't wait to see it. We'll make sure to set your link up on our website Thank and uh, we'll, we'll keep promoting you as long as we can. So get out there, support Thank Nakia, you. follow Shiver, still chosen by random due out this fall, you said? Yes. All right. <laughs> keep an eye out for it. We hope it's going to do great things. And from all of Thank us here you. at Shiver, fright you very much. <laughs>